So we're in this series where we're trying to look at the early church. And last week when we started our message, I shared a clip from uh, Billy Graham that talked about uh, going back to the point of resurrection that Jesus is alive. And so this week when I started looking for a clip, I came across this clip from Martin Luther King. And I, I didn't, didn't really want to play it because there's language in there that we shouldn't talk about. Um, and I went to, to Jessica and I asked her, I said, you know, do you, I found other clips. They were good, but they weren't as powerful as this one. And she said, but Andy, we're talking about being bold. Who, who is more bold than Martin Luther King Jr.? In what he had to live through. And then you may not think about it, but we're, we're trying to be bold every Sunday here. It would be a whole lot easier. Let's just be honest. It'd be a whole lot easier to, to go to white churches and black churches and Hispanic churches and Korean churches. But God's calling us to, to do something different and to uh, bring more of the kingdom of God here on earth. And every week I get to look out and see that we represent a whole lot more of the kingdom of God. And that's bold. But the power for me was what he said. In that he thought of his little girl and he said, I can't. There's going to come a day where she can't look to daddy. She can't look to mama. She's got to call upon the name that I teach her. She's got to, the religion's got to be real. She's got to know Jesus. And folks, I tell you that because that was the message of the early church. It wasn't about a building. It wasn't about uh, something tangible. It was about the fact that there were a group of people who flooded the streets to say to everybody who didn't know it, Jesus is alive. And that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we can all have different experiences. Some of us didn't grow to church. Some of us, all you can remember about church is your grandmother pinching you or your mother pinching you and telling you to be quiet. And some of you, that was your experience, but yet for some reason that was fun. And so your experience of church is positive. And so we all have different experiences. But folks, what we've got to get back to is we got to get back to what the early church experience was. And the early church was a movement. It was a movement of people who believed in the message. A movement of people who believed that Jesus Christ was the son of living God and that he was alive. That's what we've got to get back to as a church. Now, the problem, even in first century, the problem was that there was this power struggle. So you had the religious authorities. The temple was the epitome, kind of the, the epicenter of religious activity. And then you had the Roman authorities and they were balancing trying to keep peace. And so as this movement developed, and as they began, people began to embrace the message that Jesus was alive, it, it took away the peace. There was disruption. And what you saw was persecution began to occur. And so we talked a little bit about that persecution last week. Peter and John and some of the other apostles. I mean, it would have been very easy when the, when the authorities called Peter and them in to say, look, let's talk uh, 
Let's talk a little less about resurrection. Let's not talk about Jesus so much. It would have been easy for them to just say, okay, I'm going to talk about love. I mean, go read John. John talks about love really well. So he could talk about love and just everything is good. But Peter prays for boldness. And last week I invited you to encourage you to start praying for boldness. He prays for God to enable me to be bold. Stretch out your hands so we can go in and we can see signs and wonders. We can know that God is working. That's what we see them pray. I mean, here's the truth. We live in one of the safest places in the world. Now, you can watch the news and try to decide which neighborhood is safer than the others. But, we're, but let's, let's get beyond that. I mean, in the, I mean, none of us got up this morning, got ready to come to church, and was really threatened about walking into this place. Right? I mean, we didn't, that didn't even cross our minds. We didn't think about dying on the way to church. We didn't think about dying because we were in church. We, we live in one of the safest places. And yet, we are a fearful society. It's the reason we have insurance. And that's not bad to have those things. But we always are thinking, okay, what's going to happen? If the, and what's, as we've allowed this to creep into our Christianity. Let me tell you. If people across the world were to watch how we pray, they would probably laugh. Because we pray, okay, God, protect me on the roads. And they're going to be like, you have roads? Wait a minute, you have seatbelts? You have a car? Because we have to get from here to there in the back of a truck where it's not even navigatable roads. We pray for God to, to bless us. And they're like, wait, you want more? Right? Pray for God to help me or to help my child get through school. And they're like, wait, you have school? I mean, Lauren talks about all the blessings. You know, we, we don't stop and recognize. But what happens is we are, we are one of the safest places. And yet, let's be honest, our prayers are some of the least bold prayers of what we pray on an everyday basis. Bless me. Protect me. See, the reality is we as a church, we have lost our edge we have lost our sense of urgency. We've lost our uh, passion to be able to, to get out and take the message of Jesus Christ to the world. There was a time in the church when the church was completely open-handed. They were not worried about themselves. They just wanted to get out because there were people who did not know that Jesus was the son of the living God and was alive. Do y'all realize there are still people who don't know that? They were completely focused on other people. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't leave here today thinking that I'm telling you you should feel guilty because you are blessed. Never feel guilty because you're blessed. But you should feel responsible. You should feel a sense of responsibility with that blessing. And so we should amp up our boldness. We should step up and be even more bold because we are blessed. 
Luke, who wrote Acts, he, he, he continues into the story. And so uh, Peter and, and John, after they are arrested and they're told to not uh, preach about resurrection, don't preach about Jesus, and they let them go. And then if you remember from last week, they went back into the streets. And what did they do? They preached about resurrection. They preached about Jesus. And the authorities were didn't know what to do. And more people began to embrace the message and more people would bring uh, they're sick and would bring the blind to, to them and they would bring about healing. And so you had this tension that existed and it got worse and it got worse. And so this disruption occurs. The religious leaders get je jealous. And so what do they do? They decide they're going to arrest all of the apostles. And so they arrest them all. They all assume that they're going to be killed because that's what the religious authorities had done to Jesus. And Luke tells us that in the night, while they were in prison, that the door of the jail is opened and they walk out. And what do they do? Scripture says they walk out and they go back into the town and they begin to preach about resurrection and preach about Jesus. And the religious authorities come in the next morning and they say, okay, where are the disciples? And they, the, the temple guard said, well, they're not here. They're out preaching about resurrection. They're out preaching about Jesus. And it infuriates the religious leaders, and they say, go and rearrest them. And so the temple guard, they go and find Peter, John, and all of the apostles surrounded by tons of people, everybody bringing people to be healed. And they say, well, we don't really want to rearrest them because now we're afraid that we're going to be killed. And so they go to Peter and they say, look, would you kind of rearrest yourself? Uh, can you just like go put yourself back in jail? And he does. Peter and the rest of the apostles say, okay, we're going to put a pause on this right now. And they go back to jail voluntarily. And that's where we pick up the story. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 5. The fifth chapter in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 27 and 28. And then we're going to stay in Acts chapter 5 so you can just leave your Bibles open when you get there. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 27. It says, The apostles were brought before the council where the high priest confronted them. In no uncertain terms, you demanded, we demanded that you not teach in this name. And look at you. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you are determined to hold us responsible for this man's death. Now, I think this is so interesting. They do not even want to say his name. Did you notice that? They don't even want to say the name. The name of Jesus is so disruptive. It's okay to talk about God. It's okay to talk about faith. It's okay to talk about religion. But you can't talk about Jesus. And folks, that is true today, just as it was then. The name of Jesus is disruptive. There's power in the name of Jesus. And then you stop in here and you realize that Peter is standing there saying, hey, but if you, the more that you do it, the more you're making us look guilty. Peter's thinking, they're thinking, you are guilty. I mean, you're the one who did it. So he gets frustrated a little bit. And so look at what he says in verse 29. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than humans. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. He again, he's bringing back resurrection. He's bringing back what they did. And so it goes on to verse 31. God has exalted Jesus to his right side as leader and savior so that he could enable Israel to change its heart and life and to find forgiveness for sins. And then don't miss this next verse in verse 32 because it is essential. 
for us as Christians. In verse 32, we are witnesses of such things, as is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So in other words, what he's saying is, this is not about something that, that we think. This is not about something that somebody has had this private revelation about. This is not about something that we've just heard. This is about something that we have all seen. The religious leaders saw it. The Roman authorities saw it. They saw Jesus die. They saw him put into the tomb. They know that he's alive. We are witnesses of this. And scripture goes on in verse 33. When the council members heard this, they became furious and they wanted to kill the apostles. So then they had their plan. They're going to kill all of them, wipe out the movement. And something miraculous happens. Listen to the, how this plays out in verse 34. One council member, a Pharisee and teacher of the law named Gamaliel, well respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be taken outside for a few moments. In other words, okay, I've got a plan and I want to talk about the plan, but I need them to get away so that we can all talk about it. And so then he goes on to say in verse 35, he said, fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you intend to do to these people. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and some 400 men joined him. After he was killed, all of his followers scattered, and nothing came of that. Now, my guess would be if I were to take a poll of how many people know anything about Thutis, yeah, None of us, uh, because there's no record. This is the only mention. There's no record in any other historical writings. So what happened was he's saying, remember that. Y'all remember when he raised up and 400 people followed him and we killed them and nothing happened after that. They scattered and they were gone, squished him like a bug. And they're like, yeah, I remember that. I remember when that happened. And so he goes on. Look at what he says in verse 37. Afterward, at the time of the census, Judas the Galilean appeared and got some people to follow him in a revolt. He was killed too. And all of his followers scattered far and wide. Now we know a little bit more about Judas the Galilean. He was, came up at a time when they were getting ready. Uh, the the uh, Syrian authorities were going to do a new census in order to be able to figure out how to assess people for more taxes. See, that was happening back then. Uh, and so they were going to so, so do a census. And Judas said, no, we're not going to participate in the census. And so a group of people began to follow him. And they became to be known as zealots. That's where the term came from. So if you've ever heard one of the apostles was a zealot, it was originally this following. And so they came up and they said, and so they killed Judas. All of the people scattered and it went away. The movement ceased. And so the implication there is, you remember them? You remember the second one? And they're all sitting there going, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And so then he comes to this in verse 38. Here's my recommendation in this case. Distance yourself from these men. Let them go. If their plan or activity is of human origin, it will end in ruin. If it originates with God, you won't be able to stop them. Instead, you would actually find yourselves fighting God. The council was convinced by his reasoning. In other words, if this is just another movement of man, just a radical idea that people have, if you just do nothing, it's going to just go away because the Roman authorities are not going to let it go on. The Roman authorities were not necessarily against Christianity. They were just against anything that would take away their power. 
And so they're not going to let anybody do anything. So if you just kind of don't do anything, it'll go away. But then the other implication is, but if there's going to be any movement, any momentum against the Roman authorities, it's going to have to come from God himself. The only way to overpower the Roman authorities is God. And he was right. So verse 40 says, After calling the apostles back, they had them beaten. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. Some translations will say they were flogged. So flogging, if you've ever watched like Passion of the Christ, you've seen that scene where it's difficult to watch. So I want you to imagine the disciples, all of them sitting there lined up. And one by one, they're brought forward and they're flogged. And they have to sit there and listen to their best friends get beaten. And the screams and the whips, you're listening to that one after another after another. How would you respond? My guess, and I can't speak for all of us, my guess would be Christianity wouldn't have made it out of the first century if we'd been there. The scripture goes on. After calling the apostles back, they had them beaten. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, then let them go. The apostles left the council rejoicing because they had been regarded as worthy to suffer disgrace for the sake of the name. They left rejoicing. Is that how you would have responded? They left rejoicing. They were permanently disfigured. Every time they took their shirt off, put a new robe on, they saw the scars. Permanently disfigured because of the name. And they were able to rejoice. Folks, we are scared to go out and claim the name of Jesus because we're so afraid that somebody is going to be offended. We are scared to go out and proclaim the name of Jesus because we're afraid somebody is going to shut a door. Somebody is going to say a cuss word to us. Somebody is going to ask a question that we don't know. Folks, this is where we in the church in this century in Stockbridge today, we need to repent. Because we should be willing to rejoice because of the name. No matter how people respond. And so in verse 42, every day they continued to teach and proclaim the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Both in the temple and in houses. Folks, they went back to the very same city. They didn't go to another place and say, okay, you know what? We kind of ran our course here. We're going to go over here. They went back into the temple. They went back to house after house after house and proclaimed that Jesus was alive. How would you have responded? What we see in the early church is we see a group of people who believed in the message and they were bold in their faith. And so I just want to suggest to you a couple of things. Think about baby steps. What are some things we can do that can help us be bold? And one I might suggest to you is that bold in our culture today is deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. In our culture, being bold is deciding to say something when it's easier to say nothing. 
about a week ago, I went to Home Depot. We had a, I had a couple of errands I had to do, and I went to Home Depot, and I pulled in, and the only parking space for me to pull into, um, there was a gentleman that was facing me that he had his engine, the hood up. Now, you have to know that I'm like your worst nightmare uh, if you have your hood up and I'm the one who pulls in front of you uh, because I know nothing about cars uh, and I have not a single tool to help you. Uh, And so I pulled into that parking space and I thought in my head, I can't help you. So I went into Home Depot. Uh, And so as I started to turn to go to Home Depot, I thought, I'm going to preach about boldness. So I turned back. I went up to the guy and I said, I'm sorry, I'm like the worst person to pull in front of you uh, because I don't know anything about cars. I don't have anything to help you, but I'm here. Uh, And he said, I don't know anything about cars and I don't have a single tool. Uh, He said, so he goes, I I went into the guy here. Everything was fine. I went into the store. I came out and there's nothing in my car. And he goes, I don't know if I need to my battery to be jumped off. And I said, well, I don't even have jumper cables. Do you have jumper cables? He's like, no, I don't have jumper cables. And so I said, well, tell you what, you stay here and I'll go into the store and I'll see if I can find somebody who has jumper cables. So if you were there that day, you know, I was the strange guy who was walking around to everybody because I wasn't going to buy a pair of jumper cables because somebody in that store had them. And so I was just going to person after person and seeing if they had jumper cables. Uh, Nobody seemed to want to help me. So I went to customer service and I was like, do any of y'all have jumper cables? I told them about the guy. None of them. So finally they called their assistant manager over and he was like, well, I have some jumper cables. I'll go out and help you uh, assist this man if you want to. And I'm thinking in my head, you can just do it because I'm really of no help. So I said, well, I'll tell you what I will do. I will, if if you'll charge me for a bottle of water, I'll take a bottle of water because he seemed hot. And so they sold me a bottle of water and we started walking out there. And the assistant manager turns to me and he goes, why'd you do that? And I was like, what? And he said, why don't you buy a bottle of water? And I said, because he's hot. I think that's what Jesus would want me to do. Now, it would be really cool if I told you like he fell down and proclaimed <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> but, but what he said was, where do you go to church? I didn't tell him I was the preacher either. So when he shows up sometime, it'll be like, freak him out. But uh, I, I told him where I was at to church. And he said, well, you know, I may come sometime to hear about this Jesus. Amen. Folks, all I did was buy a cup of water. Now, I was thinking in my head when all that started out that I was there for the guy who was getting the car fixed. Had nothing to do with him. It was the guy that was in Home Depot that saw me buy a bottle of water and claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Folks, being bold sometimes is just speaking up when it's easier to say nothing. I wanted to just go in the store. You, it's a baby step. Just sometimes speak the name of Jesus. The second I would tell you is that boldness is taking advantage of the opportunities that come your way. Last week, and we're going to do it again at the end of the service. Last week, I had you stand. I asked you to pray for boldness. When you begin to pray for boldness, opportunities are going to present themselves. And then you're going to have to make a decision of whether you're going to enter into it or you're going to walk away from it. In our culture, being bold 
is taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. Because God will present opportunities for you to be bold. Kristen Gaines, our preschool director, last year we talked about how could she possibly um, grow or enhance the preschool. And so she started a task. She started trying to look into should we, should we start a private school? Uh, should we try to, to do something that would take our kids that once they graduate kindergarten and be able to, to come to school here? And so she started doing a lot of research, started looking into some of the other private schools that exist. And she came back to me uh, and she said, you know, I just don't think that the private school is what God's calling us to do. Uh, there are a lot of really good private schools that exist around here and they do a lot of good work. And I just don't think that's what. But she said, but as I studied and as I looked into it, I see something that maybe is an opportunity for us. And so she started talking about um, homeschool networks, that there are a lot of families who, who homeschool and so that they sometimes need assistance. They need an extra day or two of classroom setting kind of thing to be able to come in. And so there's certain things called homeschool collaboratives. You may have heard of them before, but there's homeschool collaboratives where people who are in a network of homeschoolers come in. And so she said, I think that maybe... Stockbridge Methodist could start a homeschool collaborative. So we approached that to church council. The last church council meeting, we presented that idea to them. And I want you all to hear this. Unanimously, church council approved the Stockbridge Methodist Homeschool Collaborative, where we're going to allow this year at least for first grade and second grade to come in and they're going to begin to, to collaborate together. But it was taking advantage of, and I, I applaud you for that, of being willing to go where God is opening a door. Where you, see, where you see an opportunity, and you're going to hear more about that in weeks to come, but where you see an opportunity, you've got to be bold, and you've got to take a step, and you've got to, to move forward in that step. And so one thing you can do is look for where those opportunities are and then embrace them. And then the third one I would say is you also have to be willing to create opportunities. I think that God is looking for us, the church, to look for ways to be able to go out and proclaim his message. Uh, in our disciple Bible study we just finished up, we were studying the early church one day and we were talking about how they did worship. And one of the gentlemen who has never read the Bible before, he was reading it with us for the very first time. And he read the, he, we were talking about the discussion, he asked a question. He said, let me ask you a question, why don't we do that? And I said, do what? And he goes, why don't we do a service where we go out and do worship where they're at? And he didn't know that in church council, we had been talking about how, how can we gather where people are. And so I began to pray over those two things because I did not have an answer for him. And I began to pray about those two things. How do we do that? So if y'all were here a couple months ago, I shared with you about a lady in a convenience store that talked to me about what God was telling her. If y'all remember that story. Uh, well, it had to do with this meeting. So I set up a meeting with the administration at Smith Barnes Elementary. And I talked to them about the possibility of what would it look like if we came and did a service there. And they said, yeah. And so we came back to church council and said, what's the possibility of us doing a worship service, not here and asking people to come here, but what if we did a worship service there? And do you know unanimously they said let's do it so in August 
We're going to have a worship service on Thursday night in the cafeteria at Smith Barnes Elementary. We're creating an opportunity. Folks, they say almost 90, from according to the administration, almost 90% of the families at Smith Barnes are single-parent households. It's hard for them to be able to come to church. But we can go to them. We can take worship to them. And so you're going to hear more about the possibility. But Thursday, August 8th, is going to be our first worship service in the cafeteria at Smith Barnes Elementary. We're going to be able to take, but that's, that's being bold as we create a new opportunity. And even this morning after the first service, I had a, somebody walk up who's an uh, educator. And she came up to me after the first service. She goes, I don't know what you need. I don't know what you, but I'm going to help you. Because these families need it being bold in our faith. So I would invite you to those simple steps is to stop and think, how can you speak when it's easy to say nothing? How can you live into the opportunities that God presents? But then also, how do you create new opportunities? Here's what I firmly believe is one day somebody, whether it's to Dwayne, whether it's to me, whether it's to one of you, somebody is going to walk up and say thank you because you were willing to come and open a door for me. See, what happens in the church is we spend so much time in the church, we forget what it's like to not have the peace of God. Did y'all hear that? We forget what it's like to not have the peace of God. But there are so many people, that's their everyday life. And we've lost the urgency. We've lost the edge. We've lost the, the passion to be able to go out and be bold in our faith. And I am challenging you to pray for boldness. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you would stand. There's little cards that we have out last week. If you were not here or if you lost yours or you threw it away and you think, okay, now I really do want to pray for boldness. There's some more cards up here for you to pick up at the end of the service. But it's going to, oops, it's going to be on your screen. Pick them up off the floor. Um, you go, man. Uh, y'all pray this with me. There we go. Let's pray. Enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. Now I want y'all to pray it like actually out loud. All right. Enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. Every day, I want you praying that at 4.30. It could be 4.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the afternoon. It's Acts 4, verse 30. You can certainly pray it at 5.30 if you want to. But the church, Dwayne talked about the power of us coming together and praying. The church praying together. I called somebody this week. There was one day I was crazy busy. And there was one day where I called somebody, I happened to call them literally on the dot at 4.30. And they answered the phone, let's pray. And I'm like, what? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but what that told me was there are people praying. We're, we're praying together for God to enable us to be bold and to stretch out his hand so that the people in the community are able to see awe in the church. Not the building, but in the message. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you. Lord, I pray right now for all of us. Lord, it is, it is scary to pray for boldness. 
because I believe you will give us opportunities to be bold. Lord, let us not be worried about what people are going to think, what people are going to say. Just let us rejoice. Rejoice because of the name. Rejoice in the power of the name. Rejoice in the healing of the name. We pray, God, that you guide our steps. Allow us to speak when it's easy to say nothing. Allow us to take advantage of those opportunities that you open and create for us. But also, God, help us to be bold and create a new opportunity. An opportunity to give you the glory and the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.